Welcome to the 42nd episode of the No Degree Podcast. Today's guest is Markin Benhamun, also known as Markin B. Markin is a social media influencer. He currently has 6.4 million followers on Facebook. He started The Smile Squad, a group of creators whose goal is to make you smile. Markin B started making videos in college. Eventually, he realized that if he wanted to grow, he would need to work at it full time. He dropped out. He got a start in YouTube and started a business for YouTube creators. Unfortunately, that failed. However, this didn't stop him. He realizes that his videos would do well on Facebook and grew from there. He eventually went back onto YouTube and created funny videos. He is on your favorite platform and has grown his team of editors, writers, and assistants. Listen to follow Markin's journey of increasing his followers. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash no degree. Every contribution is appreciated. This show isn't possible without you. Let's get this show started. So today I have Markin Benhamu. Did I say it right? Benhamu. Benhamu. I gotta say. I gotta say it quicker. Benhamu. Okay. Cool. Cool. <laughs> so, how would you describe yourself today? What do you do? I make happy videos on the internet. Looking back, did you ever think your life would sort of come this direction? Like when you're in high school? No. I used to be super shy and would never think that I'd be doing something on camera in front of a lot of people. Would you originally think you were going to be in high school? Probably a businessman, as vague as that is. My dad is an entrepreneur, and I've learned everything from him and something along the lines of business. Okay, cool. So you lived in several countries. I think Hong Kong, you lived in Paris, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. And I, So you lived in a lot of countries. In Russia, Spain, and Hong Kong. Russia, Spain, and Hong Kong. How was that? And what'd you learn from each sort of country? It was amazing. I'm super grateful for my childhood to be able to be exposed to so many different cultures and having traveled as well and and learning and, you know, picking up the language. And it was an amazing experience. Russia, I was zero to seven years old, so I don't remember too much, except that it was cold. Then Spain was the bulk of it, seven to 16 years old. And I love Spain, Spanish culture, Spanish people, the European vibe in general. And then Hong Kong, uh, 16 to 18 years old, was like an amazing place to be an independent teenager, like so vibrant, so hectic, so interesting. So your dad was the reason you traveled? We traveled mainly for the experience. Yeah, okay. not necessarily like dad's job or military okay. reasons like that. How was school for you when you grew up? School in terms of like adapting to new places or what? Well, I guess both. Like how was adapting to new places? Because at, at a young age, it's kind of tough, right? You go to one country, you sort of learn, you know, you're getting the ropes of things and then you move to a different country, learn a new language, learn new culture. And especially during the learning ages of your life. I was a good student in school and we didn't have any problems adapting because one, I only moved when I was seven and when I was 16 and both were like, okay, years to move and stable. And then, um, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> what happened after seven? So seven, you know, you moved early. So that was like early in elementary school. And then you went through elementary school and then kind of after high school, you kind of moved again. Yeah. And I, what I wanted to say was that the systems were the same. Like I went to a British school and the same curriculum. So that wasn't, that was easy. Yeah. Oh, so when you sort of, I think it was what, around the age of 16 that you really started like creating online videos? Yeah. When I was 16, I created a monetization platform for YouTubers. It was called Subscriber Club. And that's what led me to create a YouTube channel to be able to reach out to YouTubers and understand how they work. What gave you the idea for starting that? I had been watching YouTube since I was like 12 or 13. And I 
saw an opportunity for YouTubers to monetize their fan base in a unique way by offering like services or gigs to their followers at a price that they chose. That was the idea. It failed, but it, it was a great learning experience. Now you started your channel. How was that experience? Like, how was it first starting your channel? And then eventually it seemed like you did well. And what made you sort of decide to go on Facebook? So I had started on YouTube and I had never done it before. So it was, I just copied what I saw other YouTubers do. So tried a bunch of things, was very slow to grow and then decided to post the videos on Facebook just because, you know, post it on another page. And, and what year was this? 2014. So organic reach was high on Facebook back then. Yeah, there weren't any or like many cr Facebook creators and still right now there aren't many, but yeah, posted on Facebook and that grew so much faster because the shareability feature, which YouTube doesn't have and making content that people love to share. When you started growing on Facebook, like how was it? Were you like shocked or you were like, you knew you were going to be big? Like, how was that process? It was going steadily, which was really cool. And the moment where it really kind of shocked me was when I, in 2016, I made the first viral video, which was what it's like to have a sister. And that video got 100 million views. And that catapulted my page from like 50,000 likes to 300,000 likes. So that was like the big viral moment, which spurred everything. How did things change after you got that viral video? Did you kind of say like, wow, like I could do this again? I found a formula. I found a style that I was like, okay, comedy skits in this listicle format that where people can relate to their identities which is what we do to this day. It started all from that video. So that really what changed. Wasn't making money at the time, so that didn't change. Was going to go to college. That was the summer before I was going to college. So went to college and kept making those skits. And Paige was just growing in, in audience over time. Now you're in college, right? What did you want to be when you were in college? What, like, what were you majoring in and what was the goal with that? Studying business, as vague as that is, but I w feel like I would have just ended up in either like working in a startup or some some entrepreneurial venture didn't have any set plans i read something about how you took a marketing class and you're like none of this is relevant because you're actually implementing marketing right with your channel and you're doing all that and you kind of took a marketing class and you're like this is not relevant so was that the moment that you're like i gotta just work on my thing full time and college is a hindrance when i took a marketing class and realized they didn't touch on social media at all i decided to create a social media club at usc which is where I went to school. And there wasn't any community for creators or people interested in social media. So that that marketing class would inspire me to create, would partly inspire me to create that community and club. And then the reason why I dropped out of college was because school and the time commitment of classes was hindering my possibility to make videos and create content and take on this opportunity that I have to to be a creator and make videos. So was it a tough decision or was it like I had to do it? Like, how was that decision for you? Honestly, very smooth and easy. Or once I had that idea of like dropping out the following semester, I decided to take one class and be a part-time student just to test out what it would be like. Everything went smooth and I started making money at that point. So it made financial sense to leave. And then I just didn't come back to school after that summer. Let's kind of go back. How'd you sort of improve your skills along the way, right? Because obviously the creator you were in 2014 is different than 2015 different than 2016 and you got better at certain things like what did you do to sort of improve yourself just practice what i love about being a creator it's like the ultimate entrepreneurial job because you're putting out constant iterations of work and getting instant feedback with every video you make you learn 
what didn't work, which then improved your following video. You're posting weekly videos. So it's not like you're working on one product or one movie for six months, a year, and then wait to see how you did. Every week you're, you're getting better. You used to actually be a shy kid. Can you talk about that? Yeah, super shy. I was the kid at the back of the room at dance parties. My mom had bought a book about how to parent a shy kid when I was seven yeah. years old. Oh, wow. I just didn't have like confidence really like to approach strangers or do anything that, that I've done now. But what really changed was when I started making videos, I had to leave my comfort zone for a lot of the videos, especially the ones where I had to go out in public, which is something that I never had done before. So it really pushed me out of my comfort zone. And then that's what led me to, to build confidence in myself. Did you create videos right away and your shyness was just something that you're like, I'm going to screw it, I'm going to overcome it? Or did it take time to sort of get out of your comfort zone? Well, it definitely took time. I feel like it took three years until I, I, I found my voice in terms of making videos. The first three years were very like awkward, like in the videos, unnatural, because I didn't know how to speak really. So yeah, it definitely takes time. What would you say? Was there like, was it a certain time that you became like confident or was it sort of gradual? Gradual. Mm -hmm. And uh, did anything really help you other than practice? Was there anything like you read, maybe feedback, support? What advice would you have for someone that was shy like you? One of the big factors that led me to becoming more outgoing is I would look at my extroverted friends who I wanted to be like and observed how they behaved and copy how they behaved because I wanted to be like them. I wanted to connect with people the way they do. So I look at how they express their emotions, the tone in their voice, their body language, what they say in conversations, how they make people feel. And I would just copy that. And over time, I mean, these are, you build your social skills. There are different aspects of shyness, right? Sometimes you're afraid to kind of talk about vulnerable topics. Sometimes you're afraid to go in front of a big group. Sometimes you're afraid to have intimate conversations. What would you say, what was like the transition from like shy to being more confident? Um, self-confidence. Self-confidence when it, when it comes to conversations and approaching strangers and leading conversations rather than just following. Yeah, I think it's all self-confidence. Now you went viral, you're kind of growing, you're growing steadily. So you had your first hundred million. What was like your next milestone after that? Next milestone would probably be hitting a million followers on Facebook. I did that the the summer after my first year of college when I, that summer I decided not to get like a job or an internship. And I said, I'm just going to spend every day on making videos and see what happens. Because I hadn't, I had never done that because I was in school that June, I made a video every single day for the whole month and had like the best growth I've ever had on the page and then hit a million followers. So that was like a catalyst for like the idea of dropping out and doing it full time. There's a lot of stuff that goes behind the scenes. How was like, were you editing your own video? Like, what was the process? Because I know a lot of people start off editing their own videos and eventually you outsource. So what was the process like for you? So the first Four or five years of making videos, I did everything myself. When I dropped out, I could still do everything myself, but I hit a limit in terms of how many videos I can post a week, which then determines how much I could grow and how much money I can make. And I realized like I can delegate the editing work, which I don't even love that much, to an editor and the writing to a writer and, and the, the props to an assistant. And that made sense because when I tripled the output, I tripled the, the income. That was a huge scaling of my business. And, and now we have 10 people on our team and we've just grown a lot. 
Was it hard for you? Did you have to take on debt or was it kind of tough? Because I know obviously there's a point in time where you want to do all these things, but then there's a money aspect involved. Like, what was it kind of like for you? When I started hiring the team? Yeah. And when did you know it was time to hire? Like, did you have enough money? Like, what was the thought process behind that? Yeah, I, I, I had been making money, to, enough money to support and, and pay for those team members for sure. It wouldn't have made sense if, if hiring didn't result in that greater income. So yeah, I had, had money that I was making through my videos. And then when I paid or hired the team, it made more money that just made financial sense. You grew your team and all that. Now, how was it like for you personally? What would you say that you were most happy about as you were growing? Because, you know, it's hard to sort of predict, you know, like the path of going to a million, right? Because at one point I could imagine you're like, wow, it was a big milestone. So how was it for you? How did I feel as, as everything was growing? Yeah, as it's growing. Like, you know, first, like one thing is to say, hey, I want to get to a million followers. Now you hit it. Now, obviously, it's a much more serious business. So how was it in terms of like, how did you feel about it? Exciting. Growth excites me. I could have plateaued by myself. I could have plateaued with three members on the team, but I want to grow more and I want to do more cool things and have more cool opportunities. So I was excited by it and it was working. Yeah. So what was tough about sort of in all this journey, right? Because there, it's not easy. And, you know, a lot of people think like, hey, I'm just going to put out videos and get a million followers. And, you know, the truth is, is it takes time, right? Because, you you know, you were editing yourself and you were doing things for several years before things took off to low. So how was that? It's an all around full-time job for sure. It took me, like you said, three years until it started making money. So you have to have the patience and willingness to to do that for three years and not have it return or have very slow growth. What was your biggest strength in terms of getting ahead? Because a lot of people, right, it's a super competitive area, right? So what would you say makes you stand out? When I first started, I was, my angle in Hong Kong was you know, like a foreigner living in Hong Kong and I would do like lifestyle vlogs. And then when I, that switched to, to our comedy skits, I made the purpose of the brand making people smile. And that's, that's our mission. And we're all about creating positive, lighthearted, family-friendly content. And I think people are drawn to that positivity. When did you get that idea? And like, what inspired you? Like, what was the thought process? You know, because I'm a creator too. And sometimes you just hit it and you're like, this is the idea. And I got to go with this. So what, what was that moment like for you? It was partly strategizing and branding a business. Like every brand and business needs a purpose. And when I thought about it, the idea of making people smile came pretty naturally because one, it's a very positive message. And secondly, it's authentic to who I am. Like I'm a, I'm a sweet, nice, kind, positive thinking kid. So I didn't have to, to be inauthentic w- with that. In the beginning, right? When you're sort of like a one man team, how many hours a week were you putting into sort of making the videos? Cause you were at the point where you're making a video a day, but what does that mean? Cause it's not like shooting a five minute video is not five minutes, right? What was it truly like for you? It's doing it, doing it all. So from writing the video to planning the video, getting the props for it, getting the actors, filming the video, directing the video, editing the video, posting the video, marketing the video. It's the whole process. I love the journey of creator and like really tests you as, as an entrepreneur and business person. So how many hours a week would you say you were spending on it? Part-time job hours. Okay. So some 20 something hours. Yeah. But while I was doing it in school, something like that. And then when you sort of left school, did you just sort of go the 40 to 60? Yeah, for sure. It is just my life. 
the time that you weren't making money, what was your thought process like? Was it like, I'm going to make money? Or was it like, did you have some like sort of doubt? Because, you know, it is a lot of work and, you know, it's so easy to sort of, the future's uncertain. So what was the thought process like for you? I knew there was an opportunity by growing a large audience on social media. I didn't know exactly what it would formulate to, but I'd seen other YouTubers do it. And I just knew that if I kept growing, kept working, and something would come out of it. That was the vision. And I always treated it intentionally and treated it like a business. So it seems like you had a vague idea, like it's going to lead to something. When do you have a more concrete idea of like, wow, when did you become much more strategic in how you did things? Uh, I feel like I was strategic from the from the beginning in terms of always treating it like a business and, and building intentionally and, and strategizing and looking at, at data and analytics. What makes you smile? When I feel like I'm making the most out of my life, and that's in work, that's in people, that's in activities, it's extra health. That's my goal in life is to make the most out of my life. And right now I'm in this social media business and I'm going to do as much as I can. And in a couple of years, when I get burnt out of it and not interested, I'll move on to whatever excites me next. What would you say is the most important lesson your father taught you and then next your mother? My dad always look out for different opportunities, keep things in perspective, nothing worth worrying about. Definitely, definitely that entrepreneurial mindset. And my mom, I've learned all the people skills and the, the emotional intelligence and, and the kindness and the, the empathy from her. What mistake would you say you've made over the years? I would say... Or something that you would have done differently or what was a big learning point for you? I would say mainly uh, the failure of, of the business that I created when I was 16. I feel like I was just underprepared to, to take a business and couldn't commit to it. So that was a, a great learning experience. Why do you think it failed? Was it something more of you? Was it the timing of the market or something? Why do you think it failed? Big part on me. I wasn't 100% committed to running this. And I was in school. I had a, other things distracting me. And I, I wasn't fully in it to really like... And I was also 16. So like I didn't know anything about business. I mean, you're still ahead of most 16-year-olds at that stage, right? Most 16. So how would you say like the social media game has changed over time, right? Because... 2008, it was like social media influencers didn't really exist, right? The early days of YouTube, right? Because I was around since like 05, 06, where it's like watching videos online and internet was good. So how's the industry changed over time? And like, if you were to start again in today's day and age, how would you go about it differently? Or would you do the same exact thing? So it's changed a lot in content and trends and and every year obviously gets more saturated and hard to grow. Um, So better to start now than next year. I think now you've got to be a lot more strategic with building a channel. I think before you could just do it as a hobby and grow and it become something. Now I feel like you have to treat it like a business from the start and it won't grow if you just are passive about posting content. So it's 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 much more competitive now for sure. Going back, would you have sort of gone to college or you would have just straight started creating content? Going back, do you feel like that you needed to go to college for that learning experience of the marketing club and that's what triggered it? Or do you felt like you would have somehow naturally fell into this career? Uh, I feel like I, I wouldn't have been able to skip college because it, the growth wasn't there by that time. Yeah, I wasn't making money, so I would have had to get a job and better. I would have preferred to go to college and I had a good time at college. Okay, nice, 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 nice. 
over the years, right, how would your coworkers and managers sort of describe you, right? Like, how is it working with Mark in, or working under him or working, collaborating with him? I think they'd say that I like to get things done fast. I care about people. I care about our work. I'm efficient and entrepreneurial. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, that's cool. Other than your father and mother, who was someone else who had a big impact and what lesson did you really learn from them? I think other creators that I've been inspired by, specifically Yes Theory and Nads Daily, feel those are my two favorite creators. Learned a lot and been inspired a lot by their content, how they've grown their brands, the message behind their brands, their interaction with their community, their business model. You know, you mentioned, you know, maybe in a few years you'll get burned out. Why do you kind of say that in terms of when would you know it's time to leave? When I'm not interested in it anymore. I don't know when it's going to be, but I... I don't see myself making videos for for my lifetime. Definitely not. I want to make the most out of it as I'm in it right now and live my life by things that excite me. What do you see in the future of social media? Because you've probably predicted some trends and changes, right? Because you're in it. Now, what's kind of like the next wave, right? In the next five to 10 years, because it just moves so fast. I think the future of content is is purpose-driven content, meaningful content, things that inspire people rather than silly, meaningless, like provocative drama videos that exist a lot on these platforms. So that's that's what we're, we're all about is, is positive, meaningful content. If you don't mind discussing what's like an early stage creator, what's like a mid stage and what's like a high stage creator sort of make, like what are the ranges? All depends on how many views you get because you're, you're paid by ad impression. So generally rule of thumb, it's a dollar or two per thousand views. So if you get a million views a month, it's about a thousand dollars. Small creators can, they might make half a million views a month or a million views or a couple millions, a couple thousand bigger creators who get tens of millions of tens of thousands and you can do the math so on. Yeah. 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 Now, what was the first group of people you hired? Right. Cause you kind of saw, all right, I want more output. I need to delegate these tasks. So Who'd you hire? I think a video editor or who else? Video editor, writer, and assistant. Three main components of our skits. Obviously, the writer is writing, the video editor is editing. What was the assistant doing? Mainly getting props for videos, casting actors, and any random tasks. Okay. And then what was the next stage? So now you have this core three. You have, you know, you're tripling your output. Now, how'd you even increase your output even more? What was the next stage that you kind of hired? So that stage, I was optimized for everyone to be working. And I, I went from filming one video a week to three videos a week or four videos a week. But then I hit another plateau because it's, I can't film more than four videos. So I said, how can we post more than four videos a week without me filming more than four videos? And the answer to that was get another creator to film videos. And now we have three creators, Kurt, Sam, and Ephomia, and they make content now. So we're able to, they each film three to four videos a week so that, you know, we can post much more. But if we make seven videos a week and the editor can only edit three videos a week, we need to hire another editor. Now we have two editors, two writers. How was it selecting like another content creator? Because as a content creator, right? Like everybody has their own style, has their own thing. So how'd you select the other people you want to create content with? And how was that process? I'm very selective with, with people that I bring on my team, specifically in two ways, their person, like personality and work, like skills. I specifically looked for small creators who would love an opportunity like this 
to be a full-time creator doing what they love and want to join a team rather than someone who was already established and doing their own thing and who wouldn't really be a fit. So I looked at a lot of creators, talked with a couple and then found Kurt, who was the first one who we just gelled immediately and was super on brand with, with our mission and loves to make comedy skits and very talented at doing that. So I showed him the ropes, trained him, and now he, he makes amazing skits for our page on his own. And what about the other creator? Same with Sam. So Sam, we, we put out job postings and we put out in Facebook groups and we had castings, we had auditions. And then same with Sam, his energy just connected with us instantly. And he was able to deliver on the, on the skills of making videos. So your first video that went viral, right? The 100 million was with your sister. How how'd your sister feel about that going viral? I think she, she enjoyed it. It was really cool. I would use her in a lot of like my sister, like sibling videos. Um, she wants to be an actress and more in the traditional space. So that's her, her path. How'd your parents sort of take your career? Were they really supportive? Because I know like my parents are like, what, you make videos? Like you interview people? What is that? Like that's so foreign to them. What's your parents' response to what you do? They're very supportive. Always been super supportive. They also get social media. They have their own social media pages and channels. They're creating content for their own brand. And which is crazy because they're like 50 and 60 years old. So I'm very lucky. Cool. So would you say, do they help you in creating content ever? Like, do you ever ask them ideas or that's a separate thing? Yeah, they send some ideas sometimes and I, I've filmed videos with them in it. Those are fun. I mean, they live in Spain and I live in LA. So obviously there's less opportunities for that, but they're they're always supporting me. Why does the decision to live in LA just because that's a big like influencer hub, a lot, a lot of create creativity, you know, what made you draw to LA? Cause you've been in a lot of countries. Well, I went to college in LA partly because of this awesome city and also that's the hub of social media and entertainment. So it's the place to be it just makes sense. Great lifestyle. If you were to give advice on like what skills they need to master early on, what would you kind of say? Um, efficiency, experimentation, observing analytics and being intentional about building it like a business, not being afraid of failing. Any books you would recommend? I would say Steal Like an Artist. It's a pretty good book. And then just just watch videos and get familiar with creators. When you say you like watch content, is it like you watch like 30 minutes a day or it's like you study content? Like, you know, you're watching hours a week. How is your process like? Yeah, I probably consume a cup, an hour or, or a couple hours a day on content because I enjoy it anyways. I think the difference between watching content now versus when I was 13 is that now I watch it in a very active way rather than a passive way. Active way is I notice the way the video is edited or the music they put behind or the title and thumbnail, how they created that. So I'm observant of those things. You know, the smile movement and all that. What are some stories that you want to share about like the smile movement in terms of interactions with fans or when do you sort of realize like, wow, I'm really making an impact on like my community. I'm really having a positive influence on the people around me. Yeah, I think that impact is seen through the the comments and the, the DMs that I receive. Just seeing, seeing the way people are attracted to that positive message and seeing how much it helps some people and how much of an impact it has on their lives. That's, that's really fulfilling and the core of, of everything we do. That, that's what it's all about is that, that community that we build around it. Obviously, regardless of how positive, how cool, how funny you are, there's always hate, right? There's always like, why is this kid so positive, right? How does that affect you and how do you deal with it? Like you said, there's always a dislike and and hate. Um, however, for us, it's very minimal, honestly, which is really cool. I feel like you attract the energy that you put out. And we 
put out positive energy and, and that's and we receive that. And when there are negative comments or firstly you look at it and, and ask yourself like is there meaning behind this comment? And a lot of the times negative comments don't have any meaning behind it. So it's easy to ignore. And if they do, you take it with a critic like maybe it's constructive criticism which is helpful or again if it's just a a baseless negative comment then you ignore it. Have you sort of ever felt insecure about not having a degree or it doesn't bother you at all? Doesn't bother me. I feel like in the environments that I exist in, not dropping out has become a cool thing, which is crazy. Obviously it was it wasn't like that before. In other circles, it's probably still not cool. But in the entrepreneurial scene, in the in the startup in the business and the creator world, like it's like kind of seen as a cool thing, which is funny. Yeah. What's your next milestone? Because you've hit a lot, right? You have like some serious views. You're, you know, you're you're big on all the channels, right? You're big on several channels, which isn't easy, right? There's some people who are only big on one or two channels, and they sort of don't do well on another channel. So, what's the big next big milestone that you're personally looking to hit? The next thing is to to grow our, our new YouTube channel, which is personality driven and deeper, more meaningful than our comedy skits. I'd like to grow that in the U.S. and be known in the U.S. because although we get so many views, we aren't really known in the community, in the American community. So that's the goal. And then I know out of that will be endless opportunities, whether it's working with brands, shows, products that we create ourselves. So that's the focus right now and really just growing this positive brand into a, a larger movement. What's a brand you really look up to or a brand you would love to collaborate with? Brands that I love personally it's crocs <laughs> i love Crocs. okay yeah you mentioned i saw that yeah it's like so me as a person airbnb <laughs> just random like positive cool unique brands what do you kind of envision like a collaboration with them be like like you're a skit in an airbnb or what is it we could do something really creative and obviously depending on which brand it is but i've gone through through phases of of doing cold outreach and, and trying to get in contact. We've gotten some brand deals that way. Um, but yeah, I'm sure as we grow, there'll be lots of fun opportunities to work with brands. What's a brand that really sticks out to you that you've already worked with? And it was like, wow, this has been such a cool experience. Bumble BFF. So Bumble has a BFF feature where it's like make friends rather than dating. And we did a cool video in Rome where it was called how to make a best friend in 24 hours. Where we found two random guys on Bumble BFF and then had an like an awesome bonding day in Rome. So now, what would you say that you're still kind of learning right now, right? Because the business is at a very serious level, right? Managing a team of three is different than managing a team of 10. What would you say that it's like you're still learning and you're happy you have this skill? You know, there are some creators when they get to a certain level, all of a sudden they can turn toxic or, you know, they have fallouts and all that. How do you sort of prevent that? Because you're still a very positive guy and you still work with the same people. How do you do that? I think I'm clear with my vision and my intention of growing it as a business and as a brand rather than a personal gratification or attaching my self-worth or value to the growth or how big I am on social media. So I've always been intentional with growing it as a business and treating it professionally like that. Okay, cool. So how would people sort of support you? I know you have a Patreon channel, you have some merch and all that. How would people follow you? What's the best way to sort of, you know, grow the smile movement? Find us on Smile Squad. Smile when you watch our videos and let us know what else makes you smile. <laughs> okay. No, I thank you for your time. You know, it's always cool to kind of see 
the behind the scenes of a successful channel, right? We see these three to five, 10 minute clips and, you know, there are a lot of takes on it. So how long does like that five minute video take? To film a, a three minute skit takes uh, four hours. Can you tell me why does it take four hours? Because there are lots of scenes to film. The scenes are then condensed in editing. Or firstly, you take several takes to, to film a scene, right? Like you don't just get it perfect on the first try. You got to, you, you feel it out. And then we cut a lot of pauses in the video so that it runs fast pace. Cool. Now that's because, would you say it's as efficient as you can reasonably be? Did it used to take you longer? It's optimized right now. I feel like I've done so many skits in the team as that you find the most efficient, optimized way of filming and directing the actor. What are the different channels that you have so the audience can follow you? The Smile Squad is definitely the way to kind of find you. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, Smile Squad skits uh, on YouTube and, and Facebook. Then we have Smile Squad on YouTube, which is our new channel. And Smile Squad on Facebook posts everything. So we're, we're on, on there. You have a TikTok channel, right? Yeah, we have TikTok as well and Instagram. How is it sort of experimenting with the new channels? Because it's always a little different, right? Like they're similar in some ways, but they're a little different, right? Different audiences, different people expect different things when they go to the platform. So how was it sort of starting a new platform? Not too hard because we we repurposed the content that we've made already in the format of the new uh, platform. And we're lucky that we just make a type of content that people resonate with on all platforms and can be easily digested. So we haven't done, needed to do much to grow that, just repurposing all the content and kind of grows on its own. All right, cool. I mean, you've given a lot of actionable advice. You know, I encourage you to smile and the audience to smile. So thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by... You! No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show's worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J O N A E D. Last name IQBAL. Until next time, no degree, no problem. NoDegree.com. Yeah. So, you got no degree? No problem. No problem. Any problem, we can solve them. We got this. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving, growing and knowing. Wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. If you didn't know, now you know. Let's sing that again, everybody. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing and knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah.